Got depression, anxiety, talk about it with me. Strange dreams, same page, safe place. Therapy is great, and this ain't the same. But we're crying behind sunglasses anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey, 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 Sunnies. Welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. I'm your host, Katie Dahl, and I'm happy to have you here. And quick disclaimer, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for therapy or medical advice. I'm not a doctor. I'm just someone who really cares about your mental health. So let's get into it. What's going on today? Uh, Today's episode is juicy. I'm excited. It's kind of how do they say? Ripped from the headlines. I'm sure if you're anything like me, millennial who grew up with all of the different pop stars that we had in the late 90s and the early aughts, you might be a fan of Britney Spears, or at least, I mean, you definitely know who she is. So she's had a very public struggle with her mental health and the controversy surrounding her conservatorship, the whole free Britney movement. and. The entire thing has been tragic and fascinating to watch. And recently there was a documentary that came out called Framing Britney Spears. And a friend of mine from the comedy community, Barbara Gray, is actually heavily featured in it because she had a podcast called Britney's Graham. Now, Britney's Graham is a podcast that they originally started as a comedy podcast, just to dissect all of the weird things that Bernice Pierce posts on Instagram, whether that's her, you know, doing the same dance moves um, in her living room or posting random memes or posting the same pictures over and over again. And everyone's just wondering what's what's going on. You know, it was very lighthearted. And they had an open hotline where people could call and leave messages. So one day they received voicemail from a paralegal working at a legal firm that represented Britney Spears. Of course, this is an anonymous source, but apparently they confirmed it behind the scenes. So I'm inclined to believe it. And this person released a lot of new information to them. So suddenly Barbara was thrust into the media spotlight and was turned into more of a journalist than a comedian. And they had to release this information and they got caught up uh, in this whole controversy and kind of became experts on what is going on with Britney. So we talk a lot about that. We also talk about how she is the host of the Lady to Lady podcast, which is a really fun one if you want to check that out, and what it's like being suddenly thrust into the spotlight when it's not really your choice and what that feels like from a mental health perspective and how she's handling all of this new attention. Uh, so it's really interesting. I mean, it's a very controversial topic and it's it's hard to say. It's hard to speculate on a celebrity's mental health when you really don't know them, right? So I want to be cautious in the way that we talk about that because I'm not here to speculate on how Britney's feeling right now. But I think from everything that I saw in the Framing Britney Spears documentary, we are not able to hear enough from her. And it seems like she would like to have a little bit more freedom than she has right now. So for any of you listening out there who are part of the Free Britney movement, I support you. And I'm here for that. And I hope that she can have the truth come out. So yeah, and 
after you listen to this episode, if you want to learn more about anything that we talk about, you can go to cryingbehindpod.com. That'll have our episode guide and lots of links to uh, whatever we talk about. And also we are on social media at cryingbehindpod. I'm at Katie Dahl on all the things. And without further ado, please enjoy. Today's guest has been in the news a little bit lately, um, mostly because of her podcasting that is uh, has been linked, inextricably linked to the Britney Spears ongoing saga. Uh, she also hosts a podcast called Lady to Lady. And uh, the original podcast that I was talking about that uh, got her into this whole Britney Spears thing was the Britney's Graham. Uh, please welcome Barbara Gray. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for making the time. And you're, I'm sure you've had a lot of uh, people who want to interview you now and find out all about the secrets. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been a, a pretty wild few weeks, um, but it's luckily coming. It, it's actually interesting because it keeps going in waves. Like it, it played in the US and then it just played in the UK and now it's about to play in Australia. So it's like, we keep getting hit up by people from different places, depending on where it's like coming out. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. And the title of the documentary is interesting, like framing Britney Spears. I was like, oh, what did they frame her for? Like, what crime did she commit? And I don't feel like she did. <laughs> no, that I, yeah, I liked that title. I think they were like trying to get close to free Britney and kind of give you the same mm-hmm. phonetic feeling, but didn't want to use that necessarily. So I feel like that's probably why they did that. But yeah. That makes sense. Um, so this podcast, I like to check in on people's mental health. Like, how are you feeling today? Today? Interesting. Um, not great. I think today has been hard. I, I'm definitely like, you know, I think uh, I'm hitting a wall with um, the like lockdown of it all. So just, you know, I'm in a very stressful situation as far as like, all the Britney stuff and a lot of attention that I'm not like really used to for something that is not comedy. So it's not like something really funny or lighthearted. And I feel like very odd that it's a, you know, such a a thing that I'm known for now. It feels like a little, you know, strange. So um, I don't feel like I can really be myself about it because it is such a serious situation. I want people to take it seriously. So I'm not really going to like joke around about it, you know? Oh, totally. So because, yeah. So because I don't have the outlet of stand up and I don't have the outlet of seeing my friends and, you know, I don't have any of those things that ground me. I'm really like hitting a wall with like, wow, I really want to see my family. I really want to have a real break. And every time I like try to do something that's like, hey, let's get an Airbnb, like me and my boyfriend, we tried that. It just like didn't really do, you know, help. So I think just not being able to like do comedy and stuff is really starting to be very hard (laughs) yeah it's starting to wear on you a little bit I can understand that like I mean because there's nothing that can really replace the feeling of being in front of a live audience and getting that interaction right totally and it really I think like since we're at the center of such a big thing right now comedy's always helped like ground me because it's like just that room that night that moment you know it's not so overwhelming and so yeah I think it's just not having that feeling where I can just kind of like let go and not feel like I'm being like super scrutinized or something like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I was going to ask you, um, how did that even feel to, cause you have, you, did you guys have a hotline set up for that voicemail to be sent in? 
Yeah. So we had a voicemail. We just had like a Google voice. Okay. So, you know, it started out as a, Britney's Grimm started out as a comedy podcast. So we were just like jokingly talking about, you know, the memes Britney would post and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, cause I mean, her Instagram, it's just like her doing the same dance over and over again, posting these memes that don't mean anything. And then people are like, wear yellow if you need help. And like all these different weird things. And you're like, okay, like, What's even going on here? I'm sure that like maybe when you first got into it, like you said, it was started as as a comedy thing. You're like, oh, let's let's just completely dissect her Instagram and try and find meaning in it. (laughs) I know it's so weird because we don't really take a lot of stock in those things now, the yellow shirt thing and stuff like that. Actually, a lot of what we do has nothing to do with looking at our Instagram anymore because we're trying to like investigate other things. But it started as that. So it's just just a very strange like overlap of us. Yeah, taking it too seriously. But then. I, I don't know. It kind of like got into conspiracy territory with some people and it's, yeah, it's very, it's very weird. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so you have this Google voice thing set up and someone who's a paralegal for her or who was a paralegal for the, the law firm called in an anonymous tip. And um, how did it, what were your, what was your emotion when you first heard that? I mean, it was just, it was so intense. Yeah, we had this Google voice line and people would leave like random voicemails. And, and you know, like I said, most of them were just kind of like fun and light. And obvi- we'd started talking about more serious subjects, so they would be a little bit, but it was mostly just like light commentary. You know? Sure. And then, um, yeah, we got this voicemail from a guy who was like, I'm a paralegal, you know, works at a firm associated with Brittany and, you know, what's going on is messed up and you guys are on the right track basically. And it was really gutting. Like it was, you know, Tess called me really late. I was in Austin doing comedy and she called me late and I was like, why is she calling me so late? You know, she doesn't really do that. And, um, she was like, you have to listen to this immediately. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a really, I don't know, just like still makes kind of the hair stand up on my, my neck, you know? Yeah. It was just a very like intense thing to get. Yeah, I mean, he said he, I mean, he's, I feel like he's letting you in on all these intimate details of something and you're just like, wow, am I even (laughs) qualified to be like the person who's hearing this? Is this the right thing? Yeah, it was, it was just so much and it felt like, you know, it felt all of a sudden like we had a duty to do something with it and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was very overwhelming, but we also were like, okay, well, I guess like, you know, people need to hear this, so let's put it out there. So we did. and um. It yeah, so that kind of like got the free Britney ball rolling. It had already been around for a while, but it really like launched into another, you know, dimension. Area, I guess <laughs> yeah, totally yeah. another dimension. And then you know the framing Britney. It's like had a lot of it's had a lot of waves and stuff. And then you called it a saga, which is like at least you know it is. It's a saga. You know, it's been a very long ongoing thing. I mean, it's going on forever. So being in it for yeah, being in it for so long in our perspective has been like it's hard because we've kind of like, there's just, there's a lot of like a dicey characters involved with, you know, her and we're trying to like talk to people, but you don't know who you can trust. It's a really strange world to like dip your toe into. And, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine. And I think from a mental health aspect, something that really interested me was the conservatorship because deciding that someone is mentally unfit to make their own decisions Like, who gets to say that? And at what point does she get to have her life back? Because, of course, we all remember the head shaving, umbrella wielding incident that was so long ago. But like, 
okay, maybe she had a breakdown because of a lot of different contributing factors and can she get her life back? Or like, does she need this for her whole life? I mean, it's, it's really hard to say. What do you think? Um, I mean, it's not really my position to speak on her, you know, mental health. Sure. In that way, I think it's more of like, you know, yeah, I, I think it, it seems like a very uh, intense restriction to put on someone for so long who, you know, is seemingly very capable. So, yeah, I, I think it seemed like a very um, harsh kind of punishment, basically, for, you know, doing for just being a person and doing, I think, what a lot of people do, which is you know, go out in your 20s, maybe make some mistakes that aren't in front of the entire world. Right. It's, I can't really like say, I just know that from the facts, you know, conservatorships are generally for people who can't feed, clothe, or shelter themselves, which, you know, she's going on world tours and all that stuff. So, and also, you know, the more we've worked on it, it seems like there's a lot of systemic issues in general with conservatorship systems. And um, a lot of people say like, well, yeah, just so say someone is, you know, mentally ill or this or that, does that mean that they aren't allowed to make mistakes or make their own choices, even if they are bad? So it kind of like is a bigger question than that. It is a big question. I mean, I will say actually, uh, so um, I'm a conservator for my brother. He has, um, he's autistic and he has epilepsy and um, we didn't really do it because we thought that he was like a danger to himself, but there are a lot of like medical things that he's had to deal with um, where he just doesn't have the capacity to make those, um, calls for himself. And we, I, we wanted to be able to advocate for him. So me and my parents are, we're all conservators for him. And I mean, I will say it was not easy to get that conservatorship. And also like every single year, there's someone who comes in and we get reviewed by the board and they talk to Chad, my brother, and they like ask him a bunch of questions and make sure he's cool with it. Like, it's not, I don't know. They're, they're, it, it's not easy to get and it's not easy to maintain either. Like they check in all the time. Well, it, yeah, if he's in an LP, I don't know what kind he's in, but there's a the LPS is a like a mental health conservatorship where they are required to check in once a year. Mm-hmm. But probate, which court, which Brittany's under is a little bit different and there is not quite as much um, oversight. On oh, it, so. interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Now, that was just something that I always was curious about because I was like, if someone is really checking in on her you know, the, the, and she should be able to answer herself, but yeah. And, and now, you know, in the court documents, basically her lawyers being like her, she doesn't want her dad here, you know, sure. She doesn't want him to be a part of it. So I think that's kind of, you know, what people are trying to focus on now, but yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. So, um, I was going to say, I really enjoy also listening to your podcast, lady to lady, you guys have such great chemistry and such a great friendship and you can really feel that, um, just coming through on the podcast. And I'm wondering how do you guys all keep it so fresh? It's almost like, you know, you're, you've been doing this for a while, right? Like how do you mm-hmm. still find that fresh humor with each other and you don't have it uh, feel stale? Um, You know, I think like we've definitely, it's become a well, well-oiled machine for sure. So we just, luckily when you have, we, you know, we have three people and we usually have a guest on, um, so obviously the guest brings in some freshness because you kind of like, you know, check out what's going on with them. And and we ask them, we play a little game with them and ask them questions and kind of get the ball rolling that way. Mostly it is a hanging out show, though. It is just like a riffing show. So I think like we all just know when to pick up, you know, when to pick it up when someone else is like dropping. And I mean, no one's really dropping it, but just we just flow well because we just work together for so long, you know. Uh-huh. 
So it's just, I think it's just about that like 10,000 hour rule, really. It's just like, we just put in so much time that we can like pull it off, you know, most times now. There's definitely off days, of course, but yeah, we, I don't know. I think it's just the the pure amount of time we put it. I mean, it's been almost eight years that we've been doing it. So it's been quite a while. And we do, we've done lots of other stuff besides that, like a li- live shows and all that stuff. So yeah, I think it's just time, I guess. Like I feel really lucky. Every time I think I'm like, oh God, I'm like too tired or I'm not going to be funny or whatever. It's the, the, I don't know, the vibe of it just like kind of wakes me up and, and we're just able to like bring it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel that. I mean, I'm only at the beginning of my podcasting journey. I guess I've got about two years now. This, this, I started about a year ago and I also was co-hosting a different podcast for about a year um before that but i think that like it does it is a muscle and the more that you do it the easier mm-hmm. it gets and um usually i find that like uh even if i've had a hard day like if i if i know i have someone to interview i like look forward to it and i feel like energized after so <laughs> totally yeah i think it's it's like that's what i guess what you're aiming for is for it to be like an energizing experience not like a sapping you know we all know what that feels like where you're like oh god that didn't feel good afterwards so uh, yeah we just try to bring that and like you know it it's cheesy but there is obviously so much like bullshit going on in the world that I think like it's kind of a bit of a respite for us and our guests to just have kind of like girl talk for an hour yeah it feels kind of like a kiki or like a sleepover yeah (laughs) yeah we go for like adult sleepover vibes and just kind of like come as you are and let's like make fun of ourselves and whatever. So mm-hmm. did you have a lot of sleepovers when you were a kid? Totally. I loved sleepovers. Yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah, no, I was very into it. I like to build forts, uh, and like do each other's makeup. And, you know, I was trying to think what was the, my favorite movie that I watched? Oh, I would watch Romy and Michelle's high school reunion so many times. Oh, classic. Yeah. <laughs> I would do weird things like for attention where I would like pretend I was talking in my sleep and stuff like that. So (laughs) I think I definitely pulled some weird like, you know, theater kid shit. I mean, it was other theater kids I was having sleepovers with, but, you know, that's a lot of people who need attention in one room. So, Uh, yeah, we would make music videos a lot. We would make dances or music videos and all that stuff. And I miss I miss that. That's always like I feel like what you're trying to get back to kind of doing an entertainment career is just like late nights making stupid shit with your friends, basically. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But like somehow like you have to take it more seriously because other people are looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not (laughs) it's not quite the unadulterated joy it was at one time. But But we're trying. Yeah. Yeah. All you can do is like, yeah, try to get like a glimpse of that once in a while. I feel like if I can feel that sometimes then I'm I'm doing okay yeah 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 where are you from originally I was born in Palm Springs but I was raised in Salt Lake City okay um so I came out to LA like 12 years ago and yeah but raised in Salt Lake I wasn't Mormon but my parents just like wanted to go there for to raise the kids so I ended up there and you know Salt Lake's interesting. Uh, I like how you, before, I, lo- I like how you're just like, right off the bat, you're like, listen, I'm not Mormon. Don't even ask. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, people always want to know because it's kind of, you're kind of like a fish out of water a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So, but it, you know, I didn't know anything else. So it was normal to me. Mm-hmm. Were your parents uh, supportive of you wanting to do comedy? 
Yeah, I think they were a little, you know, I don't know how, how like super excited any parent is about that, but <laughs> I don't think they were surprised. I was for sure a performer, like from day one, you know, that was definitely like my MO. I don't know if I knew it was going to land in comedy, but I knew it was going to be something. I wanted to do theater. I want to do acting or whatever. Um, and my, my grandfather, my dad's dad was a musician. He was like a big band musician who worked with Glenn Miller and all that stuff. So my dad knew the life of like a performer and knew how hard it was on family and stuff like that. So I think that was probably his biggest, you know, biggest worry about it um yeah yeah like he he knew <laughs> what the drawbacks were and so he like didn't want that to happen to you and maybe he was warning you about it yeah he he never like tried to stand in my way but I think he was just wary of of knowing how that kind of went with his dad um and nothing like you know he had a he had a great relationship with his dad and stuff but I think more just it's hard, you know, it's a really hard life and you're kind of a nomad. You don't really, you land in different places all the time and it's hard to keep your relationship steady and stuff like that. So, um, they never stop me, you know, they, they're very good about saying they're proud of me and stuff like that. But I, I, I definitely know that there's a part of them that wants me to just like settle down and be back home and have kids and stuff like that, but they don't, they don't push me on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I could definitely relate to that. I think that like, even though my parents sent me to theater camp and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think once I was done with college, they're like, all right, so where are you going to go get a regular job now? I'm like, no, this is, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> You're like, no, I made, I made the choice. Yeah. I think they, I think they've probably given up on that by now, but I think there's, there was always that kind of like, okay, so when is this? And trying to explain <laughs> to them like any job I'm doing or anything is just like it's just not they don't get it so yeah it's really hard to even it doesn't seem like success to them maybe but I'm like I did a thing and they're just like okay I don't know what that means yeah yeah no I can totally relate to that I think that like for me with my dad like unless I was on a sitcom maybe making like a million dollars an episode I don't know if he would recognize me as being like a successful Entertainer, <laughs> which is not what I think of myself. And that, you know, I think that you and I, like we have our own parameters for success, but it's just, you know, it's a different generation, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have, I think like their <laughs> measurement of that is still stuck in, in the same kind of, it's like the nine to five workday version of, yeah, being, they're like, okay, but if you're an entertainer, that means you're, you know, Dick Van Dyke or whatever, and you follow <laughs> thing, and then you make a bunch of money. So I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting, but luckily never. Yeah, didn't get too too much like pushback on it. I think I was always very driven and like I knew what I was going to do. So I, don't, I think they could mm -hmm. probably tell not to get in the way. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. They were just like, we got to get out of this girl's way. She knows she knows where she's going. <laughs> yeah, it's like it wouldn't have helped if they tried to stop me because I wouldn't have. And then we would have just had a shitty relationship. So <laughs> I was wondering, like, other than, like, the comedic aspect of it, do you think that there's anything, to bring it back to Brittany, which I know maybe is a tired subject, but is there something about her that drew you to her? Like, do you feel like a, um, like, you relate to any of her struggles or, like, any sort of kinship or uh, connection? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I wouldn't, you know, be in the position I'm in without that. Um that's something that's been really cool to talk to so many fans about is just why they love her so much. And I think like she really, 
you know, if you watch, if you watch older interviews with her, she was just a really humble, really funny, goofy person Mm. and just so likable and so herself. And, um, that's, I think what a lot of people really connected with. I mean, obviously her music I love and, you know, I've many great memories associated with it, with dancing and, you know, seeing her and everything like that. But I think that the core of it is this like very sweet, you know, kind of Southern girl who's just really funny and, and yeah. And I think really was just being like a young girl and kind of like partying and and being a a person doing a lot of things that I've personally done, you know, um, (laughs) and didn't like have to, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm like somewhat paying them for them in my own way later, just as far as like being embarrassed sometimes when I look back, but it's no more than that, you know, and I definitely learned a lot. Like as far as like partying or things like that. Yeah, exactly. Partying and just kind of like hanging out with people who, you know, maybe seem a little bit shady or whatever, things like that, that I think a lot of us do when we're younger. And then, yeah, you learn from that experience and you grow up. I mean, that's part of being in your twenties. So, um, I definitely relate to her on that level and just like, I don't know, just, yeah, being, get, wanting to do that, wanting to go out and be a young woman who's, you know, having fun. So um, I really just always liked how, how herself she was and how she kind of didn't give a shit about, about people. Yeah. Yeah. There is a freedom in that, I think. And being able to like, just go out and be young, make mistakes and not have to think about like, oh, there's going to be a million pictures of me tomorrow on TMZ or whatever. I mean, yeah, I can't I just can't imagine that. I mean, I've had plenty of mornings where I woke up and I was like, oh, boy, like, what did I do you know, <laughs> last night? And I can't imagine being like, oh, I know how I can check that. Let me go to PerezHilton.com and see, you know, what he drew on my face to whatever, you know, so I can't imagine like going through what she went through. And I think she's a very strong person. Yeah. No, I think that you would have to be a strong person to survive. Like living through all of those different years under under such intense scrutiny. Hey, Sunnies. I know it's really easy to feel like you are alone out there. This pandemic has been very isolating. And also if you're going through depression or anxiety, That can be even more isolating because you feel like you want to reach out, but you don't want to be a burden on your friends or you don't know the right thing to say, or maybe you're ashamed, whatever it is, you shouldn't feel bad about needing to get help. So that's why I'm really happy to share that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And they are, I think, in my opinion, the best provider of online therapy. So, what is BetterHelp? Basically, it is the biggest online counseling service that you can find. It is populated with lots of qualified therapists and counselors that are ready to help you. When you sign up, they give you a personalized quiz and then they will match you with a therapist that suits your needs within 24 hours. And you can give your preferences as to what kind of therapy you want to receive, what it is that you're going through. If you want to have male, female, young, old, whatever kind of therapist you want to have, they got them. So I really highly recommend it. And there's a special offer for my sunnies. It is 10% off your first month if you go to betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash cryingbehindpod. And you can contact your therapist however you want. They have video chat, 
messaging, phone calls, however you want to do it, you can get in touch with them. So I think it's really awesome. And this is the next step for therapy, I think, is to bring everything virtual so that you don't even have to worry about trying to drive to an office. So betterhelp.com slash crying behind pod. Usually I have a segment for my listeners I call hot tips. Hot tips, hot tips, hot tips. Where I usually ask (laughs) my guests, um, if you have a tough day, uh, what is something that you can do to turn your mood around? Do you have any ideas? I mean, really, like, I think bad TV is just a really soothing thing for me. So, I mean, my boyfriend will watch, you know, reality TV like Love Island or mm-hmm. I just Real Housewives Salt Lake City is the first Salt Lake City. Or it's the first Real Housewives like thing I've ever watched. So that's been fun. Um yeah, I think kind of just having that to look forward to. I'm really lucky that I have like a, you know, amazing partner and that would be, I think, probably harder, I'm sure, without that. But, uh, you know, how kind of having our, I don't, I'm not, I'm very bad at like ritual, you know? And I know that ritual and habit is like very good for your mental health and like kind of, you know, getting a good schedule. I'm so bad at that. I've never been good at it. I can't, no matter what I do to prepare myself, I just can't do it. But knowing that each night we have our like thing, at least I think really helps. And so I have that to look forward to. And then, yeah, just, you know, taking a bath or like just trying to sit, even if I don't go on a walk, just like sitting outside, just being outside will immediately make me feel better. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, What kind of um, mental health stuff have you like dealt with? Have you had like depression or anxiety or anything like that? Yeah, I've had or I have depression and anxiety. Um, I think, yeah, it's interesting because I think I didn't realize that I was like self-medicating with alcohol and and stuff like that until I got older. You know, Um, I always thought like in high school that I, you know, I just didn't think. I don't know. I just felt okay, I guess, or didn't recognize anything in myself. Um, and then what, yeah, I went to college and I think like it kind of settled in depression started to settle in them. But again, I didn't really know what that was, but I would, I would definitely have stints of like, you know, not getting out of bed for long periods of time and feeling extremely unmotivated and just kind of like all that stuff. And I don't think I knew that it was a pattern until I would like years later, I would look at an old diary and be like, oh my God, I still feel the same way I feel now. Yeah. Cause I'm not really like a, yeah, I don't have a great memory. I don't sit and I don't sit and think about the past very often. I, I just don't remember like how I was or how I felt. So I have to have like written down in front of my face to be like, oh, this is how you felt. Like, do you remember that? That's how you feel now. So I had to kind of come to terms with it and um, decide that, you know, I wanted to try and do something. So I started going to therapy and, uh, yeah, taking meds, which I'm not like sucks because I'm really bad at doing it regularly. So that can kind of mess me up sometimes. Um, but anti-depression medication Mm -hmm. and anxiety is something that I used to like not feel. It would probably manifest itself like elsewhere, but now I actually do feel it, you know? And so like physically just, yeah, I can like feel like, oh, I, you know, not, like I have had a few panic attacks, but just that anxiety feeling like I used to never get that. And now it can like really take over my whole body and just kind of. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, you're going through a stressful time. You said you're like, you know, you're under a lot of pressure and a lot of new people kind of like finding you and 
wanting to talk to you about something that's not super fun <laughs> to talk about. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's understandable. Like I, I have anxiety and it definitely, it is, it is a physical and a mental thing. Like for me, if I uh, feel anxious, I'll get like a really intense tightness in my chest. And um, sometimes if it's um, like at, at a very high level, then it'll be hard to breathe, uh, things like that. But, uh, you know, I think it manifests differently for everybody. Yeah, I, I feel that that tightness occasionally, but it kind of comes out of nowhere, you know, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, whoa, and I can usually breathe through it. But I don't know. It's just wild how it <laughs> manifests itself. And I've always been a really bad nail biter that's something that's like really I hate because I'm like ashamed of it and it's hard to like be on camera you know not uh, because I'm self-conscious about it not necessarily because anyone's looking but because in my head you know I think they are sure and that's like a very like anxiety thing that I've had so long that I have a really hard time stopping so yeah I kind of like it's interesting how it's manifested itself over the years um to the point now where when I feel it, it's, you know, I don't know, it just comes and goes. It's really hard to like know when you're going to, you know, when it's going to like pop up. And I've done better now. It kind of, uh, the Britney stuff has really had made me have to like face some of my fears, which are kind of being exposed to like people because just so many people saw that and had access to like me as a person all of a sudden, even though, right. you know, we had a small part in it, but there was a ton of people hitting us up and And it was just this feeling of like, oh God, everyone's going to hate me, you know? And so I've felt this intense amount of pressure to say everything correctly, to not fuck up, like talking about it, to represent it well, because people have been misrepresented as far as being conspiracy theorists. But also I am a comic and I like, that's not really my natural state at all. Like I don't, I'm not, I I get really tongue tied when I try to talk about serious subjects. And so it's, it's very hard for me and very like scary. And I've had to really confront a lot of things. So I think on the other end of it, it will end up being very good for me and strengthening everything. And I can feel my strength like through it when things happen, but it is still like a really hard thing to kind of confront, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I could see how that would be the case. Um, I feel like, you have a lot of wisdom to know that this is a an experience that is strengthening you, but it's like kind of difficult <laughs> to go through. And I can't even imagine. It's like, yeah, you didn't, it wasn't your goal in life to become some sort of serious, hard hitting journalist. You just kind of like, it just happened. Yeah. That's what's weird about it is it's just, you know, I, I'm really grateful that we're like a part of this and that we're helping spread, you know, I think an important message, but personally and career-wise is never, ever something I thought would happen or that I necessarily wanted to happen. I mean, I was very happy trying to eke out my little comedy existence and whatever that way that looked like. So, <laughs> And you've been doing well at that also. It's not like the other, the Lady to Lady podcast go, does really yeah, well. It, it has been going well. And I think also it's been hard because this has taken a lot of, a lot of time and, you know, it's like, and people... And you get upset because people are like, you're doing this for attention. You're doing this for clout. And it's like, in what world would I choose that to be the thing I like get attention from? It's just not <laughs> what I would have ever tried to do. So it gets frustrating because then people, you know, say that about you. And so, but because people do, because that's happened, people have decided to make, take, you know, make opinions about me mm. as a person. I have had to confront like those fears of people. Yeah. Saying shit about you. And all I can say is that the mute 
function on Twitter is the best thing that was ever invented. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, because you have to just stop reading the comments at some point, right? Yeah, totally. Like there was this LA Times article that came out a week ago that we didn't think would be a big deal. And then all of a sudden it made a big splash and it was like trending. And we thought we were going to have a bit of a break from people hitting us up. And, um, you know, the articles in that were, yeah, uh, not fun to read. And so I just had to, I was like, all right, well, I'm meeting this. And it's been, it's been a really good lesson, I think, of what to like avoid and how to avoid it. And I'm glad that there are tools for that now. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Because I'm open to hearing, you know, it's not like I'm open, not open to hearing criticism. I think, of, of course, that's valid. But when it's people just trying to troll or like tell you you're, intentions when you know that they're not your intentions it's like well this is pointless yeah i mean you can't really argue with the bullies like that because a lot of them are just just cowards and they're just going to keep hammering away and it was just you know especially with that article it was just a lot of people who were uninformed who had obviously not read into it and Mm -hmm. it was like i'm like what can i say like you didn't you don't know what's going on you're obviously just reacting to this so Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you didn't even actually listen to the podcast. You just like saw like a headline and now you're tweeting about it. Right. Exactly. And that's what Twitter is. And it's like, (laughs) everyone's opinions are out there now. And, you know, luckily you can sometimes, yeah, mute them and get away from them. But it's been, yeah, it's been tough becoming, I guess, kind of like becoming more of a public figure with this thing because it was just never in the way that I thought it would happen. And I'm trying to merge those sides of me and be more comfortable with being like, okay, this is who you are and this is what happened. And this is because of choices you made. And it's a good thing, but it is like a very scary kind of thing. Cause it feels like it's not totally in your hands. Um, Those are so many different people involved, but I think you're, you know, you're doing great. You're doing great. (laughs) I feel, I feel good. And I think, you know, we're working on this new documentary podcast that, I think is going to, you know, framing Britney Spears was really good, but there was a lot left out. So um, I think it'll be, it'll be good. And I'm, you know, I'm learning new skills and I'm just kind of like trying to, you know, take it one day at a time and know that this like comedy will come back. It also is kind of, you know, the plus side is that if stand up was happening right now, I, I don't even think I'd be able to go do it that much because I'm so busy with this other thing. So I would feel guilty for not doing it. So it's like, at least maybe it is good timing. I can't like, you know, drive all the way across town to do 10 minutes in some shitty bar, but yeah. Oh man, I miss it. <laughs> I think you'll still find time, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. It- I just mean specifically right now, we're so busy making this thing that it's like, I don't even, I would be too tired if I tried to pull that off, you know? Yeah. The new show sounds really interesting and people can look out for that coming uh, this summer. Hopefully. Yeah, it'll be out. You know, we can't say exactly when, but I think hopefully early summer is what we're aiming for. But yeah, that it's going to be kind of like a way more involved look at everything. Um, So, yeah, it's uh, it'll be good. But yeah, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's, you know, you're writing basically like a TV show, but it's not a TV show because it's a documentary. So you have to like rely on what everyone else is saying. You can't you know, make them say something. So it's, it's a really interesting like process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that like, regardless of whatever happens, like even if you you weren't planning on getting into the spotlight this way, I think you're, you're doing a really good job of taking the power back and figuring out how to make it your own, you know, and like, 
when comedy does come back, I'm sure that all the free Britney people will be at your shows. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think about that. Not like in a bad way. I feel like they would support you. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. I mean, yeah, I didn't think about that. But yeah, you're probably right. I mean, it's obviously they're going to overlap, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would think like, I, I guess I'm, I'm like a casual fan of Britney Spears. I've never been like intense enough to like go out there and be a part of those protests. But like, yeah, I could see how if 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 someone who was helping her like you are, you know, like also was doing comedy, like I would go support. <laughs> totally. I think it's just I think it's like still like I said, it's something I have to come to terms with because it feels makes me feel a little weird, you mm-hmm. know, because it's such a negative thing so it's like I don't like feeling like I'm benefiting off of someone you know what I mean someone's negative situation so like I don't it makes like I have a hard time like feeling great about that I mean which I guess makes sense but yeah it's it's kind of a weird um crossroads that I'm trying to kind of handle yeah well hopefully if and when she is free then we can all feel better about the whole thing you yes. Know? Oh my God. <laughs> VIP front row seats for it. <laughs> VIP front row seats at her, her, uh, resurrection tour. Or I don't know what you would even call it. I mean, I was saying for her to come see me do comedy, but I guess, you know, sure. I'll go see her as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, both, both ways. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Actually, I just thought like, I wonder, cause I feel like Britney's funny. Like, I feel like she was She's really funny. She should, uh, has she ever tried stand up? Uh, she hasn't, right? No, I don't think so. I don't think there was any time for that in in all the Mickey Mouse Club of it all. But I know she she's very funny though. Yeah, she's very just like I said, she's just goofy, you know. And she'll do like impressions of the people she's around and just kind of like silly jokes and stuff. She's a very very goofy gal. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I just I I there's no way to know. It's kind of like a to be continued. But I think that like um, I'm really excited to listen to your podcast that's coming out soon and uh everything what else do you have going on i know i was i was creeping on your website and watching some of your old uh comedy sketches they're very funny people should be watching oh, them <laughs> um what uh, what else do you have going on mostly just uh the britney spears stuff it's yeah it's pretty much that right now mm-hmm. and you know i'm i have some other like scripts and stuff i've been working on with a friend that hopefully we'll we'll get around to i mean one thing that i've i've really been having a hard time with lately is I kind of like you know right before this I had like a zoom audition which I don't do that many of but I kind of was like freaking out about it because I don't prepare well for them and I think like something I'm I'm kind of trying to deal with that is associated with mental health is like I have fucked up a lot of opportunities Mm. and like I have not followed through on things or I have just like not you know, I was looking at an old email and um, really old emails. And I used to have a stand-up show at my house called One Two Punch. And it was like a really fun show. And it just kind of was like the this, this spot for a minute. And I was looking at old emails and someone like agency was emailing me an assistant asking for lineups of those shows. And I didn't respond sometimes. Wow. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I think I actually missed quite a few of good opportunities by not like following up or by not being good at that, at, at, um, networking you know which isn't the least favorite thing of this you know, whole shit sure and so it's something I'm kind of trying to figure out because I'm like man I really let a lot of opportunities kind of like slide 
why did I do that? What, you know, what's my fear of success or my fear of like, what, why do I hold myself back? Cause I've always held myself back in some way. Like even with all of this stuff, I still, I th- still feel held back like in some certain way. So I'm trying to like figure all that out. Cause that's like the nut I'd like to try and crack, I guess, in the next five years of my life. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows if I ever will. That's interesting. Cause I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Do you think that the like fear of success is that tied to like uh, any sort of like perfectionism? Like you want things to be a certain way or is it just that like you're worried about when you get there that you might feel too anxious or or something? Like what is it about? Yeah, I think it's just the, I mean, I definitely, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist for sure. Um, but I think it's just that feeling of like being exposed. It's kind of like you feel like if you get to a certain level, you're putting yourself out there for the slaughter in some way. Mm. And I hate that. I don't want to like feel like people think that they can talk about me a certain way just because of like how well known I am. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's always been a weird thing. Yeah. It's always been a weird thing to me that like, because I love comedy and because I think it's the thing that I'm best at it come the, to be successful at it to a certain level comes with being sort of somewhat famous and that being somewhat famous as I can see, you know, from Britney stuff and just from watching everything seems like kind of a nightmare. And it seems like you're giving up a lot of things in order to, to do that. And, uh, that part of it, I think does scare me to a point where I could see myself self-sabotaging because of it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think, I mean, who knows, but I think that you, you see, it seems like you have a lot of resources. You've got a therapist, you got a good boyfriend, you know? So hopefully you, you know, you, you weren't, <laughs> we're not going to see you shaving your head or, you know, going off the deep end anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. It's yeah. more just like, you know, can I actually get to a point where I feel okay doing those things. But I will say the Britney shaving the head thing has always like been, you know, I don't know how many women haven't wanted to shave their head at some point in their life. I think. It makes oh yeah. Sense. No, I mean, I'm not here to throw under the bus. I was just, you know, uh, <laughs> no, actually I have like a weird, like dream where someone will cast me in a role where they will, where they will require me to shave my head just so that I have an excuse to do it because I would love to know just like, okay, what does my head look like? You know, like, I don't even know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Especially as like a woman with like, you know, beautiful hair, it, it like kind of defines you. And so right. it's like, wow, what would this be like to just like shed this part of me? Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's so much less responsibility getting ready in the morning. It's just like, okay, it's easy. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. Like, you don't, you don't have to do anything. I mean, you, you, you have curly hair kind of like me. Like I have very wavy, um, coarse hair and it's a beast. To tame. Oh my God. It's crazy. And my, yeah, I need a haircut so bad. It's like hair at top <laughs> level, basically. It's just a big triangle. Uh huh. It's so much work and so expensive. Yeah. And I'm just not like an upkeep girl. I don't like do my eyebrows. I don't, I don't do anything. I'm like n- a nothing. And so I don't know how to do my hair. I just am not good at any of those things. So I feel like they gave this hair to the wrong person because it's like someone who knows how to do this should be in charge of it. <laughs> we, we need to call customer service and get this switched out. <laughs> yeah, please. That would be lovely. I mean, for someone who doesn't know what they're doing, you have very good skin, I have to say. So. 
I mean, I thank you, but I do feel like that that is a lot to do with the Zoom filter, which I love. Oh, um, the the touch up my appearance Zoom filter. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. I, lo- I was like, how am I going to be in person again? Zoom makes me look way better. And I don't have to like worry about what pants I'm wearing. I just, I feel like it's going to be tough in person again. Yeah. No, I think there will be a different weird adjustment period. Cause like the few times that I have been able to hang out with friends where we like, you know, do a distance walk or whatever it is. I've noticed that like, I'm not as good at holding conversations, knowing when to change the subject, knowing when the, the hangout is over. <laughs> Like it's yeah, all very it's confusing. Kind of, I you know it's funny because I actually I've always kind of been like a it's not quite Irish goodbyeing, but I definitely like when I'm out of the conversation I'm done and yeah. I'm like okay I gotta go I just like I have no couth like exit strategy so Zoom is kind of like that because all of a sudden you're just like okay bye so maybe maybe I don't know maybe everybody will be like that now we're just like all right we're done I'll see you later like the abrupt goodbye will just be more normalized now. Well, it's weird because yeah, not having, not being able to hug people does make goodbyes really weird because mm. you're just kind of like, okay, there's like no sense of like actually, yeah, <laughs> saying goodbye. So it seems like so odd. Yeah. Or a hello. There's no hugging at all. I mean, I, I've been doing like jazz hands or uh, an <laughs> elbow good. bump or like right. sometimes maybe a foot, you know, we can like kick feet. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I just feel like I stay, I stop, like, you know, in my tracks, and then it's like, hello, and it just feels very strange. So I think, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who don't want to hug, you know, after this experience, which is fine, but I'm going to be happy when we get that back, and it'll make it a little less odd when you're, like, leaving a room. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very into that physical touch as well. That's probably, like, that must be one of your love languages. Oh, yeah. When it, when it comes to love languages, I'm always, like, all of them. I want everything. I I'm not. <laughs> wow. I want gifts. I want praise. I want acts of service and I want touch and whatever the other one is. Wow. Yeah. Whoever is dating you has their work cut out for them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think that I'm pretty like low key, but I think he's pretty good at most of those things. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'd say I'm mostly like, what is it? Words of affirmation and I like gifts. Oh, yeah. I think like, yeah, you give me compliments, you keep good treats around in the house. That'll get you a long way with me. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Hidden treats. Yeah. 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 Um, well, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom for anybody out there who might be struggling um, during lockdown? Call your friends. Just if you think about your friend, give them a call. Even call people you haven't talked to in a while. You know, I've kind of been doing that randomly. and. It's really nice. It's just nice. To, I, a lot, I don't know. Some people hate phone calls. I don't. I'm like, if someone, you know, my best friend from childhood called me randomly because he saw the documentary and I picked up and like, we had this great conversation and I just feel like people don't, people want to hear from you. Just reach out. Like that's my number one thing because I always feel better after I talk to a friend old or new, whatever, if we know each other somehow, I think like just call somebody and you're going to feel better. So that's my like probably number one. Yes. Yes. Tip. That's, that's a great tip because I feel like so many people are afraid of doing phone calls and all they want to do is text, but yeah, I'm a phone call kind of gal too. I love it. I think there's a lot of intimacy there and you can really catch up with people and uh, yeah, maybe I should be more brave and call people that I, I haven't talked to in a while. <laughs> I mean, of course I'm saying that like, well, I barely done it, but 
there's one person I've been, my one friend who I, you know, been thinking about and I keep being like, I just want to call her and I don't do it. I don't know why, but I think like, I don't, you know, maybe she'd be a little weirded out, but we could make fun of it if she was. So yeah, no, <laughs> I think you should call her or if you feel weird, you can call me, you know, like I'm here. I can be okay. your phone a friend. <laughs> Thank you. We'll do a three-way call. We won't tell her that we'll do it like very junior high where we don't tell her you're on the line and be like, I heard that Katie said that you heard. <laughs> oh my God. Like a weird game of telephone. Yeah, we'll just trauma. We'll give some like junior high trauma to somebody just to mix things up, you know. <laughs> Perfect. Well, um, thank you for coming on the show. And um, like I was telling people earlier, obviously they should look out for your documentary podcast coming out soon or Lady to Lady, which is happening all the time. Yeah, and Brit- people are listening to Britney's Graham, even though there's no new episodes. It's a, it's an interesting journey. It starts as a comedy podcast, and you kind of hear us talking about court documents and figuring out all this stuff as it goes. So I think I think it's a good listen and good prep for you know what's coming. Yeah, no, everyone should listen to Britney's Graham as like a preamble to whatever's next. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I think that like I love the honesty that you two bring to it uh and also just like that you you really care and you're not just like there to be salacious you're not like harvey levin or something you know (laughs) god harvey levin (laughs) sorry that's the thing is no 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 it's interesting though because it's sorry just side note no it's okay i was talking about feeling weird about you know having any of my own success kind of like wrapped up with this Mm -hmm. but then you look at people like Harvey Levin and you're like how do I feel bad about anything like (laughs) you exist why would I ever feel bad it's just so annoying I need like 10% of his not giving a shit apparently but it's very hard just like a little sprinkling of of uh, assholishness to just care a little bit less right Yeah. Damn. I got to get some of that. I'll figure it out. Okay. Well, um, it's been lovely having you and, um, thank you. I guess we'll talk soon. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and it gave you some things to think about. Um, maybe some inspiration or made you feel a little bit less alone about whatever it is that you're going through. And uh, if you want to learn more about what we talked about, you can go to crimebehindpod.com. That'll have our episode guide and other resources for mental health. Also, if you want to be my new best friend, you should go on iTunes and leave us a review. Um, I'll go ahead and read a recent review. This comes from Simpsony Baloney Pony. (laughs) I don't know what their real name is, but the subject is important topics. Katie is putting out much needed, important content around mental health, earnestly playing her part in breaking down stigmas around anxiety, depression, and trauma. She adds humor and lightness to heavy topics, inviting the listener to be raw and real on the journey of life. Check her out. Thank you so much, Baloney Pony. I love that. Oh, this is cute. This comes from LE7775. And the subject line is, I'm a sunny. Katie is smart, funny, witty, and empathetic. All the things that make a great podcast host. She always has amazing guests and finds a way to make the scary stuff a little less scary. I love this podcast and you will too. So yeah, uh, writing these reviews, really great way to get the word out about this podcast and keep spreading that movement of destigmatizing these conversations around mental health, which is something that, as you all know, I'm very passionate about. So let's do it. 
And if you want to join our private Facebook support group, that's facebook.com slash group slash crying behind pod. And you can find me, Katie Dahl, on all of the social medias at Katie Dahl or um, our Instagram is where I always post fun video clips or memes. That's at crying behind pod. And I guess that's all for today. But I hope that you find a reason to smile today. I hope you can just think about whatever you're grateful for. That always helps to pull me out of a slump. So until next time, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny. Yippee, yippee, yippee.